Hi, this is Justin. Today on Theocast is part two of a conversation that John and I had about men and women and how we relate to one another in the home and in the church. In the first episode, we talked about things from a higher level and some theological considerations. We wanted to clarify a few things. And now in the second portion of the conversation, we get a little bit more practical, a little more boots on the ground in the church and in the home and how we relate to one another as husbands and wives and brothers and sisters in the Lord. And John and I even talk a little bit personally about our own congregations and our own households. We appreciate you, the listener, very much. We're thankful not only for the ways you encourage us, but we're thankful that you will listen to this podcast with grace and with charity. And we thank you for that in advance. We hope that you're encouraged and helped by the conversation. We're excited to announce we have a brand new podcast available called the Kingsmen Podcast. It's where we are reclaiming biblical manhood by training and equipping men for the work of the kingdom. You can find it anywhere you download a podcast. You can also watch it on YouTube. We have new episodes that come out every Monday. I think it's important that we see throughout the Old Testament as well as the New that God is very concerned for women. And so even when it comes to a lot of the divorce laws in the Old in the old Covenant, you can read them. And whether we're talking Deuteronomy 24 or any other number of places, the concern is to protect women from the abuse of men. I, wholesale. Because wholesale. wholesale. Yeah. Like that is really important. And I think we have to acknowledge that one of the results of the fall is this is evident in the curse is that men will tend to dominate lord over and abuse women yep and so the lord is very concerned for these things and we should be too in the church we should be as pastors in the church so i know even in our own position paper on divorce and remarriage we're very clear about all these things that the divorce laws that were given by god in a fallen world right given that divorce is going to happen and sin exists they were to protect women and for the woman's benefit. And I think that has to be remembered in this conversation. In particular, like we acknowledged from the outset, that there have been women who have been hurt yeah. over the years by male leadership in the church. Because I'm thinking about a text like 1 Peter 3 and other places where, you know, heinously and lamentably, women are told to remain in an abusive relationship in order to demonstrate that their hope is in God. Right. And, and to be clear like there, he's a, not saying abusive. He's saying an unbeliever, not yeah, an abusive it's, but it's person. Just, it's, so, it's so bad. I it just want to be so super bad. clear yeah. that these things are absolutely grievous and horrible. And we need to remember this you know, as we consider the trajectory of Scripture and God's concern for women. Agreed. And we should echo that. So then another thing that I would say, too, is in, in just brief, one additional brief comment on Genesis chapter 2. It's very clear in how God makes creation and makes Adam and then makes Eve to help, like to be a, to be a companion and to be a, a, a person who would reign alongside Adam. Mm-hmm. It's very plain that women, like Eve, have a very unique contribution to make mm-hmm. to the marriage relationship. Because a lot of times this is framed as like the woman's role, quote unquote, is to serve her husband and help him flourish. Yeah. As though that is her contribution. I think that's really lamentable and bad. Women do not merely exist to serve and affirm the man. They offer 
like unique contribution. They offer personal and direct influence. We're going to get into this more as we talk about even our own marriages. Women are allies, women are co-laborers, and women are co-heirs. And we want to speak in these ways. And I was going to say this, women are much more involved in the early church as we read in the pages of the New Testament than women are in the vast majority of conservative churches today. Agreed. And that is unhelpful. And you and I are going to talk about that more in a minute too. Yeah. I just wanted to go and say some of that now before we get into the, the stickier yeah. like boots on the ground pieces. So thank you for letting me do that. We'll yeah, continue. you're welcome. Well, yeah. um, so some of what I'm going to say is we have to use a lot of discretion and wisdom here because I, I agree and I want to be careful that I'm not bringing the role of an elder into the role of the husband. But when Paul says things like, as the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to their husbands and and, and, and everything, um, that is on the heels of mutual submission. And so there mm-hmm. has to be an essence where there is one who carries the weight of responsibility for the benefit the, of the whole. Exactly. And so in other words, uh, multiple times elders are described as carrying the weight of caring for people's souls and the and the protection of the gospel. And, um, and then it says to, to the congregants, you need to, to let the, do that in an understanding way for it's for your benefit to sure. you that you do so. And, and I think that language is, is, is similar in which when Paul is saying, wives, um, you, you need to understand that your husband is the one who's carrying the weight of this. And that doesn't mean, and we'll get into everything else that was said, that doesn't mean the husband is now, uh, you, the wife is now another daughter. And that's the thing about where <laughs> I get agitated and where when it's being described by people that are out there, it sounds like basically there, if a man has three daughters, technically he has four because she needs to fall in line with the guy who's in charge. And that is not how he's describing this. I think it's important that we look at it in the whole. Yet there is a structure to the home, but that structure is being said in in such a way that the home is being led towards Christ. And there's going to be one who's, who's going to be held responsible for the home functioning in a way that reflects the the, the um the kingdom of God. And therefore, men are to govern themselves in such a way that they are the prime example of what a servant, humble, meek, and open to reason should look like. Mm-hmm. In that when you have a the command for a man to love his wife as Christ loves the church, which is an impossible feat, which you and I both understand, that's right. not going to happen. But it becomes an understandable way in which, hey, listen, guys, Christ has never been heavy-handed with us. And he was, right. he laid down his life. It's like, right. men, lay your life down for your wife. That's what he's right. saying. Well, and it's like, so again, husbands consider that and love your wife, but then wives consider the union of Christ and his church. That's right. And be unified with your husband like that. You know, that's right. that's the encouragement. And just another couple comments on Ephesians 5, just to say it, like some really stupid things are said from this passage mm-hmm. where, again, the, the analogy of Christ and the church breaks down at so many levels the way that we often seek to apply it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times guys will look and they'll say, you know, you're the, you're the priest of your household, you're this, you're that. And husbands, your wife will be sanctified through you. Yeah. You will, you will wash her with the water of the word and you will do this and this and this. And it's like, listen, only Christ does that That's for a right. believer. And it's like, yeah, I trust that wives will be sanctified through the instrument of their husbands, just as it is true that husbands will be sanctified through their wives. Yes. So let's stop being stupid in the way that we talk about some of these things, yeah. as though this only flows one direction. Yeah. Insane. No, we are not Jesus. Like, yeah, we're brother, not called to be Christ. And I, you and I could I know. not be in ministry with our wives. Well, it brother, it's impossible. like there are people literally who say, 
Like I've heard this before, like talking to little, little boys, talking to young men, teenagers, guys, isn't it incredible that one day you're going to grow up and you're going to be a little Jesus for your wife to which it's just like, huh? Like what in the world are you talking about? It's like, look, if, if the, if the wife's sanctification depends upon the husband, God help every married woman on this planet. That's right. That's what I would say. And so let's be reasonable in the things that we conclude from passages like this. Let's not divorce them from their context. I don't, I digress. Let's right. continue. Yeah. And yeah. so I will say when you understand, so I want to approach this in a positive because that's what it's yeah, for. Sorry. No, yeah. you're no, you've done a great job as far as like the, the pitfalls, but I want to approach this in a positive way in which when you think about all the benefits that are happening here, uh, you have Paul writing, for instance, in Ephesians and, and then Peter and first Peter, you have them writing to people who don't understand how the function of the kingdom works. And the promise from Paul is like the kingdom produces peace, joy, and righteousness, right? And so this that's that's the hope and mentality of it being this, in that um, you have the hope of Christ, the relationship with Christ, and then the outflow of Christ into the culture, and that comes through our church and that comes through our homes, right? Yeah. And so all he's saying is that when we align in these ways— and you have a husband and a, and a wife who are caring for each other in a way that reflects the relationship that they have in Christ. It mm. becomes a place of peace, joy, and harmony. And this safety. Is, right. It's not authoritative. Yeah. It's not authoritative. It's not authoritarian either. It's telling yeah. the wife what to do. So I know we probably should make this transition over what this looks like. We can talk a little bit about the church and then the home, I think, just right. practically in our situations. Yeah. Yeah. So like, for, finish your thought. Yeah. So I we just have to understand that flow in that the way in which I would love and care for any woman in our congregation should be in a way that reflects the union that I have with Christ. But then I have a specific and unique relationship. This is what he's saying, mm -hmm. wives to your own husband. There's this unique relationship to where um, I think sometimes that the union of the home can be harder than the union of the church because there's so much sure. intimacy that's there. Sure. And there's there's so much occasion for wounds and, right. and hurt and sin and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit because we're well on our way here. We're yeah, we've got a little you know, bit of time over fifty left. minutes in, but we got yeah. a little bit of time left, and so let's talk a little bit, John. Maybe more more quote unquote personally. Yeah, it, let's talk about our churches. Let's talk about our homes mm -hmm. and how we as pastors in the church, but then how we as husbands, dads in our homes approach some of these issues. Because exactly. I think this can maybe be be helpful because. Let's be clear. There are some high-level truths that the Scripture communicates that we've tried to nuance at least mm -hmm. somewhat today. But then a lot of what you deal with, particularly in the home, you're dealing in wisdom and you're dealing in Christian freedom. And that has to be maintained because whenever we start binding consciences and codifying everything, nothing good comes from that. So right. as far as our churches are concerned, I'll go ahead and lead with this. And I think you and I agree on everything I'm about to say, because we mm -hmm. talked about it before. Mm -hmm. So at, at CBC, we affirm male only ordination for the office of elder. Mm -hmm. And that is because of our understanding of first Timothy two, eight and following. Um, and Paul's even appeal to what I would again, refer to the, the appeal to creation in terms of relations of origin. Mm -hmm. And also there's an appeal to Adam's priestly role in the garden. So from a covenant of works perspective, Genesis 2.8, Genesis 2.15, God puts the man in the garden and he puts Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. And everybody agrees that that's priestly language. 
<clears throat> so the exegesis of 1 Timothy 2, 8 and following, where Paul is going to then argue for the qualifications, he's going to articulate the qualifications for the office of overseer. But he does that in saying that he's appealing to creation, relations of origin, there's Adam's priestly role, and then he's going to talk about qualifications for overseers. And women are not mentioned in that paragraph, in that pericope. Mm-hmm. Then we, though, get down into the paragraph on deacons. Uh, and women are mentioned in that paragraph, and it's the generic word for woman that's raised. Likewise, the women should be this way mm-hmm. is how I think that should be rendered. And so at our church, we affirm male-only ordination for the office of elder. We ordain men and women to the office of deacon. And then when it comes to anything else that unordained persons are doing, outside of the gathered church context, because we have the office of elder, we have the gathered church context there in First Timothy 2, 3, where the shepherding and proclamation role would be reserved for those men mm-hmm. called to that that office and that task, right? Outside of that, we got women doing all kinds of things, mm-hmm. Le- you know, leading ministries, coordinating ministries, serving in all kinds of capacities. Women read scripture. Women pray corporately in our assemblies. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's going on, and we always aim to have a posture in our local church where what we want to do is elevate not only the, the sisters, the brothers too, we want to elevate the service and the ministry of every saint, and we want to elevate the ministry of the, of the sisters in our congregation rather than it always being a conversation framed in terms of what women cannot do. That's right. Because that's sadly how this is often approached, mm-hmm. uh, this far and no further, right? But rather, it's no, let's elevate our sisters and affirm them and fan the flame of the gifts that they have and the ways that they are a blessing to this congregation. And we as brothers and sisters in the Lord are going to serve together for the building up of this body for the honor of Christ. Amen. Yeah, I think that what's what's as important is that where there are structure that cannot be moved, um, we can't allow culture to manipulate us there. But at the same time, I think that we need to allow the the heart of Christ in the church to govern us as well. For an example, Justin, you and I work really hard because I know we talked about this to keep our preferences out of the congregation because uh, we have the loudest voice at times. And therefore we offend everyone's preferences at CBC, including mine. (laughs) Exactly. There's a lot of things that happen in our church that I don't prefer. You know, me too. And in my home, to be frank, there are a lot and of And brother, things. I get voted down on the elder board too. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the last three on votes things, I've lost. <laughs> on, on, the th- on things that I think matter. Exactly. You know? But yeah. when you step back and say, listen, when Paul says to reflect Christ is to allow, to prefer other people above yourself. And if I can do that without sinning, and I can do that without hurting them, meaning that I don't want to give someone preference and it's hurting them to do that. You know, maybe I need to confront them and that this is mm-hmm. a bad preference that you have. Um, you know, you know, whatever it may be, but that, 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 that is true. That form and function, like the command to consider others more significant than yourself goes to the home. Right. So when, when that's, that's a huge thing Exactly. to consider like for you and me to consider Michelle and Judith as more significant than ourselves. Right. So I think this is true. Like, for instance, we just put together a finance and building team. And I said, anybody can volunteer. And it is without us trying, it is mixed between male and female. I think it's almost Mm -hmm. half and half. Mm -hmm. I did not try to do that. I just said, who has the talent and desire to do this? Exactly. And and let's go and let's do it. And what's also funny 
and I got a little bit rebuked on this, is that um, we had a massive age disparity too. We had people in their early 20s and then people who've been around finances for their entire life, sure. you know? And so we would tend to lean towards, well, we should only just have the people who are older. And the rebuke mm-hmm. of that was, no, we should have people who have perspectives that that they live in the time now that they're, they're sure. the way. It, anyways, the point of it was, is that we have to be careful in creating rules and regulations where there aren't any. And at the Agreed. same time, not so... I'm going to allow this to go down in that in the church where it says submit and allow others preferences to be more significant than you, that a plays in the home as well. Like why would we disconnect that? And the way I would give this as an illustration in my own home, Justin, is that, go ahead. No, I was just going to say maybe a brief insertion because I know you and I agree on this too. What's sad to me is that when people want to talk about marriage or family, they always go to these isolated texts rather than applying the law and the gospel broadly to every relationship and then thinking, okay, what is God's law? How does God's law guide third use? How does God's law guide me here? What does the gospel, if as I reflect on the gospel and apply it in my own mind and heart, how is that going to apply and how is that going to affect all of my relationships? But then I think about, all right, what are the most significant relationships I have? Well, the most significant relationship I have is with my spouse. That's right. And then if, the if I have kids, relationship you yeah, have. exactly. And then if I have kids, that also is another primary, very unique relationship. Mm-hmm. And so of course the law and the gospel broadly should affect how I interact with any person, but how much more so then should it affect how I interact with my spouse and with my children? That's right. And I think that's where people sometimes miss it. And that's what you're arguing for. Right. It's like, if this is good in the church to consider one another as more significant than yourselves, of course this is good in the home because this is a truth of God's law and gospel that's right. that need to be applied in the home. Go. Yeah, and so this is brief insertion. Yeah, yeah, and going back to the illustration about it being a unique illustration, uh, unique relationship. You know, Paul literally says, "Your body is not your own." You know, so and that first, can't be said of any other relationship. No, and so right. immediately, men, you you don't do things based upon your desire, your pleasure, right. because listen, that's not your body to do that. That actually, that body actually belongs to her. Yeah, you know, and vice versa, right? Same thing for the wife. And so there's this, there's this. What I, what's happening, Justin, is that. We go into our marital relationships bringing with us our own preferences, our own pleasures, and our own ideologies, and Christ has to come and completely turn them upside down. I mean, why else does he say, don't be foolish? Why? Because people were being foolish. They were allowing the world to dictate the structure of their home instead of Christ dictating it. So that being go ahead. No. Well, okay, let me just say this now. Yeah. So I know something that has been helpful for me, even in my own marriage, and I think this is universally applicable, which is why I'm going to say it now, is you what you were just saying. I want to pick up on it. I think sadly, too, a lot of times we're, we all approach marriage in this very self-centered, transactional sense mm-hmm. that my spouse exists you know, to, fo- to help me realize the dreams I have for my life. My, my spouse exists to satisfy me yep. in this way or the other, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe pointedly in the marriage bed, but also in other ways. It's just really bad when in reality, like for me, as I think about my wife, I want to think of her as my sister in Christ, my co-heir in Christ, as one who in the resurrection will reign with me, right? And we will together enjoy the fellowship of all of God's people under Christ, and it's going to be glorious, and she will be with me in that. And I want to, that is ultimate. Our marriage, yeah. while great, is not ultimate. It's temporary. It is temporary. Uh, our, it's so our parenthood, yep. our parenthood, while great, while significant, temporary. Because right. these four souls that we've been entrusted with are also we trust 
united to Christ and are going to also enjoy the new heavens and the new earth. And, and so alongside us, even though we were their parents, et cetera. So that's an important perspective in thinking about our like our wives as sisters and co-heirs and, and ones who will reign with us. They do not exist to meet our needs, to satisfy us, or to just serve us in that sense. That's, that's absurd. Right. We want to love and serve and sacrifice and honor our wives in that regard from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's more that we're going to say in a minute about how we make decisions and how we parent and all this right. kind of thing. But that needs to be said for now. Right. Well, I think that what's what's glorious about marriage is that it's a unique opportunity to have joy in a way in that you get to sacrifice your life and see the benefits of your sacrifice uh, played out on the person whom you're loving, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have two people who are, you know, it's very rare, Justin, when I'm sitting in a room with a, a couple that's struggling, that the, they're fighting for the bottom. They're not. They're fighting for the top. That's where the problem sure. becomes, where neither of them are trying to outserve each other. Uh, their preference it's and all, their pleasure is more yeah. important than anything. It's preference, else. it's pleasure, and then even when it comes to morally speaking, one of both of them are both they're both convinced they have the higher ground. That's anyway, right. That's that's right. Yeah. And then you'll hear things like, "Well, she's just not submitting," and I'm like, "Well, bro, you've not given her a reason to." Like <laughs> what you're reflecting has nothing to do with Christ. You know what's interesting when I, when I read these, I, I said this to our ladies in our in a gathering that we did. And I said, um, I described uh, what the husband should look like. I said, any ladies have a problem with living with that guy? And all the ladies were like, absolutely not, right? Like, who doesn't want to live with a kind and gentle, meek, humble, loving, gracious uh, man? No, no one would say, no, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And it's not a man that's only going to say yes to everything she wants. The point of it is, is that there is a reflection of the nature and person of Christ in this relationship. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Let's talk a little bit, like, so even in our own marriages, you know, I know that you and I, we've already stated it. I want to say it again. You and I both view our marriages as symbiotic relationships. And what mm -hmm. that means is I can speak, I'll speak in first person. So can you. Sure. So I understand that Michelle and I manage our home. Michelle and I parent our children. Michelle and I make decisions. We come together on the decisions that we make. And we both, depending upon the circumstance, depending upon the issue at hand, depending upon our own. So this, again, we, we both were different people. I'm a man, she's a woman, but we're different people. We have different contributions that we bring. We have different gifts, different skill sets. All of that's true. This is true of every marriage. And so when Michelle and I come together to make decisions, we take all of that into consideration. Here are areas where I, I may be particularly convicted or I feel more strongly than she does. And it's a wisdom call. And, and maybe I've got, you know, more developed thought here, or maybe this is just part of my skill set and, and falls then under my purview in a way. Cause it's like, well, I'm just better at that over here. And Michelle's got other gifts that I don't have, and she's going to use them over here for the good of our household. Mm -hmm. And so there's mutual affirming, there's mutual submission, and there's mutual deference going on in terms of how we interact and make decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's healthy. I think it's normal. I think it's wise. And 
we both love and respect one another in that relationship. And we both are happy to use language of, of headship and all of that kind of stuff, but we don't misunderstand it to being this thing that it's not. And there's never been a time, I just, this is, I don't think awkward to say on a podcast. There's never been a time when I've looked at Michelle and said, Michelle, you need to submit to me. <laughs> and there's, and there, you know, and there's never a time, you know, like we just don't talk in these terms. Like right. I'm the coach and I call the plays and then Michelle and the kids execute. Like that's yeah. just lunacy. No. You know, and so it's a, it's a symbiotic, mutual, complimentary, mutually complimentary relationship. And there's mutual respect and submission and deference going on. And I also understand that I, I am prepared and my main objective in my marriage and in being a dad is to love and to serve right? And to elevate my wife and my children and to lay myself down, to sacrifice for their good. Now I'm a sinner and I fail in that, but that's the objective and that's the approach. As commissioned by your Lord. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. I I think when you take all the language of who we are in Christ and how we function with each other, and even in the marriage bed, when you talk about your body's not your own, stop treating it like it is. Sure. um, That, 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 that does come into play. So you know, Judith and I were celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. Um, we have not always, I have not always done this well. I have not led my home in such a way where my wife would say, yeah, he was kind and he was compassionate. He was considerate of me. You know, he he demonstrated what it would be like. To, you know, in my early years, I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to look at what other people were doing. And I had no theological bearing on what does it look like to care for my wife in an understanding, loving and serving servant, servant attitude. I just didn't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I have grown in my understanding of the gospel, the law gospel distinction, the role of the kingdom and the role of the church, it has really shaped and changed who I am. And, and my role as uh, not only a sinner saved by Christ and a church member, but also as a husband. So when I look at it, um, when I look at my wife, she's, she's one with me. Therefore she's Mm. significant, right? Right. Like I really care about what she thinks about what kind of home we're going to buy, what kind of car we're going to buy, you know, the major decisions in life, how we're going to care for our children, you know, what kind of tone does our home have? It matters to me because she is one, a lady who loves Christ, who has talents and skills I do not have. Like when it comes down to the design of our home, like it's all you, baby. You don't want to, me, it's like plain, you know, white, black, we're fine. Uh, And and in the end, I don't mind giving preference to my wife because I understand where this, this is helpful because she has perspectives that I don't have. Right. right. Now I'm going to say some things that you know, we'll probably, I'm going to be shot at for whatever reason, but I think that the, the language that's being used by Peter and Paul, when it talks about submission is that they're describing it in such a way that, that ladies, your husband carries the weight and the responsibility of the direction of the home. Like they're supposed to be guiding in parenting. Uh, and they should, I should say, I, I know the word lead is such a trigger word, but there's an essence where they're the ones who are are are, are um, carrying the weight of of look. It's there there there's a role within the church. There's a role within the kingdom, and gentlemen, you need to feel the weight of being the lead servant, 
the one who's reflecting mercy and kindness and gentleness, who is showing what it looks like to be one who trusts in Christ in all of the areas of their life. Sure. And I don't know how else you interpret when it says, wives, submit to your husbands, while he's trying to carry the weight of this, right? This is, um, and again, Justin, you yeah. and I agree that we have to be careful in using the elder role, but that same language is given to when it's talking about the congregants submitting to the elders and doing it in an understanding way, uh, that I think is the kind of language that they're using there. Not the same, okay? Yeah, It's not that I'm guiding the soul of my wife as if the elders are guiding the souls of the church. It's, it's not one for one. Yeah, and I, you, you and I may articulate it in slightly different ways, but I affirm headship in the home means right. it's a call to love, sacrifice, and service. It's a call to elevate your wife as a husband, and it is a... It's a responsibility for the well-being of the whole. I, I affirm. How would all you of those use things. another word for headship? Like, what was another? What would be another word you would use that is because headship is such an older word. How would you use a modern word uh, for people? It's a to tough understand? question, man. I I would go to headship because of the because it's a biblical word, mm-hmm. and there is you know Christ is head, the husband is head, and I I use it because I do think I don't know that it equates one to one. To leadership in my mind in every scenario. Yeah. That's why I'm hesitant to use the word lead as a synonym for head. Yeah. And so you, and that's, that's okay. I, I mean, this is fine for people to hear us process this in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, that's where I stand today on how I try to reflect on these matters and affirm the clear distinctions between men and women as revealed in the scripture. Yeah. Um, just a couple like, additional comments popped in my head that are yeah. quick. If you don't, you good? You want to say something? Yeah, else? I just well, to to that point though. What I wanted to say is that when my wife and I come to in a disagreement, it's not that because I'm the head mm-hmm. or I'm leading that my my vote gets fifty one percent. No, and I think it's which important. is dumb. Yeah, it's dumb right. that people think like that. No, it is, and I think it's important. Like, well, what happens when the two of you don't agree? I said, well, then we need to work. We on keep it talking, more. right? We, we keep, keep talking until we come together. And this is where the the church is so vital because we can use sure. wisdom within the congregation right. to help us well, through these the, things. The reason you say it, you kind of illustrated it already, because th- this is a common way this is described too. Is, well, it's mutual, you know, and and you come together, but then if you can't, you know, if there's if you're in disagreement, then the husband's the husband's opinion goes, and it's like, uh, no, I understand that we come together and we keep working at it and we keep talking it through until we reach a place of unity mm-hmm. where we can look at one another and say, yeah, this is what we're going to do, even if we don't. Both feel great about it, but this is, we together have determined this is the course of action. And that's what we should do. And And so there's a mutuality to it. Exactly. But yet that doesn't mean, like the the husband's still the one who's feeling the weight of the responsibility. And it's just, I don't know how else to describe that. Right. And it's not that wives don't feel weight. Of course they do. But there is a sense in which, again, I think that male headship in the home means that, that there's a weight of the responsibility of the well-being of the whole is something that the husband carries. Which I think the hardest thing for that is to not press in your preference on your family. It is, and it's hard to then not, because we do this in a fallen world, as soon as we say that, that a husband uniquely is to bear the weight of the well-being of the whole, immediately we move over into this uh, inferior, superior dynamic and like subordinate dynamic where it's like, you know, he's in charge. and, And that's not, again, we don't need to go there immediately. Just really quickly. Uh, A couple of other comments on just marriage relationship for me. I know there are times, I know this is true for you, because this is back to that Genesis 2 piece, Mm -hmm. the way Eve was made to compliment Adam and reign with him and and have unique influence and 
unique contribution that's her personal contribution. Um, that's true in my marriage. Mm. There are plenty of times where Michelle has corrected me, where Michelle has opened my eyes to blind spots that I have, where she has been incredibly helpful to me yeah, in terms of my perspective on things, right? And that correction, that influence, her wisdom, you know, her skill, all of this is greatly needed in our home. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to not only just affirm and elevate her like on this podcast today, but my mission as her husband is to do that in life holistically. And I think this should be the goal of pastors in the church to elevate the saints holistically, but then to elevate our sisters in Christ, because there is a change, John, you and I agree in this, like the way women are talked about in the new covenant era is different in terms of it's no longer in relation to having children. Because like in the Old Testament, it's almost all like she's the she had these kids and this and that and the other because there is a sense in which in the Old Covenant community of Israel, Israel is exists in part to get us to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's the line of promise and all of these kinds of things. But then in the New Covenant, women are talked about in very different ways. It's now service in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? It's now as sisters in the Lord. It's co-heirs in Christ. And it's a, they're a part of the mission of the church. Alongside their brothers, that's right, and that's their how we should. Is not in their marital exact, yeah. ex, it's not in marriage. It's not in childbearing anymore, right? There is an appeal to creation in terms of some unique, like relations of origin, Adam's priestly role, and what that means in the church. Mm-hmm. But then, man, we we elevate our sisters in every conceivable way, and that's our posture. Mm-hmm. And we seek to protect all in the congregation who are in vulnerable positions where they might be abused. And we certainly have an eye out for our sisters in the Lord who are undergoing abuse, certainly at the hands of men. We want to protect that and step in and intercede and stand in the gap. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I, and again, just because something has been done wrong, doesn't mean that the instructions, I know sometimes people are like, yeah, well, that's not what that means. And, you know, I, I know this is, we even say this in scripture where, you know, a passage of verse will say something and we're like, well, that in context. And and I would agree sure. that in context, um, you know, this has been used to say, well, the wife just needs to submit to the husband, but that's not what he said. Okay. Um, he said it in a context where there was much more said than just carte blanche wives. Yeah. You got to do what your husband says. Yeah. That's not that's not the tone that it came in. But yet there is this structure that's there where I love how you said that where the the head of the home is is feeling that weight of of protection and responsibility to care well, I for did, the I home. just said the respo- the 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 well-being of the home. The well-being of the home, yeah. And of they the feel home, the yeah. weight of that, you know. And yeah. Even when he says that, you know, if a man's not willing to work to provide for his home, he's worse than an unbeliever. So, um, and know. just, I mean, this doesn't mean just super quick. I mean, we, it's not that women, so like my wife educated, um, you know, is, is industrious in the Proverbs 31 sense mm-hmm. generates income for our home. I mean, all these things, like none of these things are out of bounds. You know, I mean, I think it's sad that we have often codified it, mm-hmm. uh, to mean that here's, here are the things that women can and cannot do should and should not do. Um, I think that as we survey the scriptures, not only does God have concern for women, but women are elevated in so many ways. And the Proverbs 31 woman is a real woman, and she is doing all kinds of stuff in the home, but she's also going out surveying and buying property. She's making things and selling them in the marketplace. I mean, there is a lot going on 
mm-hmm. that this that this woman is doing. And so we affirm our sisters in all those ways too. Yeah. 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 And the last thing I'll say here is that um, we've allowed our culture to define what is a successful marriage and a successful sure. life. And somehow we have sure. downplayed women who care for their children as if they are lesser citizens and they are mm-hmm. less influential you are you are literally influencing children for the future and for the kingdom to not downplay the role of parenthood and right. so you know i think that to, goes for men too i mean being oh, a parent yeah. as a man it's not just about your vocation bro no. it's like being a parent is a huge thing you know my wife and i had this conversation we'll have it together on our podcast coming up but you know, she was a nurse for nine years, very successful, mm-hmm. made a lot of money. And then, you know, we started having children. And when, when I went into ministry here in Tennessee on her own decision, she's like, hey, I think I'm just going to stay home sure. with the kids. And well, she started to feel how people looked at her differently. You know, mm-hmm. they were real respective of her when she had this powerful, you know, rising career as a nurse. And now they're just like, oh, you're just a stay home mom. And she would hear you're just a stay home mom. And I, as those who understand, we cannot right. allow the culture to determine what is and what is not acceptable in the eyes of God. Sure, and this is an issue of Christian liberty. And That's I'll pound right. the desk all day long in terms of, I mean, like, so our situation is a little different. You know, my wife was had a very successful career when we met. We got married a little bit later in life, and so we started having kids quickly. And she couldn't work the same way she used to. It just wasn't feasible. And, you know, I was church planting. And like, so I worked outside the church and was getting paid by the church and life was bananas for a long time. We had several kids, but now our kids are getting a little bit older and my wife is happy. Like cost of living is high in Asheville. And there's a lot of considerations there at a wisdom level. Mm -hmm. Michelle has always enjoyed uh, work and she's enjoyed education. And so she's pursuing both of those things uh, for the good of our household. And these are decisions we've made together. Some people you know, even in the church, some people look at that as a great thing and are affirming of her in that. And others look at that with great concern, mm-hmm. you know, is the, and, and so you deal with this stuff. That's right. And that's where, again, why this is why I brought it up in the first place. It's an issue of Christian freedom. That's and right. if we're going to be committed to that, then we've got to hold the line that's right. on a lot of these decisions that husbands and wives make together. And we cannot just codify life and we can't be so heavy handed and exacting and suspicious all the time of how all this stuff is going on. Anyway, that maybe is another pod for another day, but it's related yeah, I to think, what we're talking about. I think going back to your illustration with divorce, and this will be one of the last thoughts I have. I know this is an extra long episode. We're dividing okay. it we're into two. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, there's a mercy upon the sinful culture that why we await the restoration of all things, yeah. that there are going to be times like, for instance, um, the husband was well and fit when first married and now is sick in bed and cannot, you know, provide for his family. He is not an unbeliever in that he is, it's the wife in our particular culture is going to need to work. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we get all, we get, we miss the point and we miss the frailty of what's happening. And there are times and situations where I think mm-hmm. we need to be sensitive and a little bit more open to reason where the Bible has definitely allowed that to be the case. Um, yeah. And to say that women didn't work in the New Testament, I mean, there was a woman who it's very absurd. much funded uh, the the church plant and the financial prosperity of the gospel was a woman. Exactly. You know? So, exactly. Right. Yeah. So to, to say, you know, whether she was married or not, we don't know. We don't know if she was yeah, married. The Bible it's at best say. an ar- it's at best an argument from silence. Right, but the point of the point of all of this is that I think we need to 
to understand the main mission, which then we all submit, which is submission. It makes sense. We submit to the mission, which is Christ and his kingdom and all of life, our churches, the way in which we function and, in government, and the way right. in which we function in our homes right. are all submission to the main mission yeah. of Christ. When we all, even to use the illustration of the body of Christ, last comment here. I mean, Paul uses the illustration of a physical body and how there are various parts that serve various purposes and perform different functions, but we're all of equal value. I think that category has to still exist for us, mm-hmm. that men are not women and women are not men. Husbands are not wives and wives are not husbands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, elders and congregants and the whole thing in the kingdom of Christ, we're all co-heirs, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we're all going to operate in different capacities with different functions. We ought not be reductionistic, and we ought not look at this in this hierarchical, weird, subordinate, inferiority, superiority way that we do, and we should pursue unity in the spirit and the bond of peace, because that's the goal in the church, and that should be the goal in the home that is, in one sense, a, a a piece, a part of the church, uh, and and in the, in the church and the home are yet distinct, and so mm-hmm. uh, we could talk sometime maybe about that, about how yeah. the the uh, the church has a role to play and the family has a role to play, and we ought not conflate the two, and we ought not be seeking the church ought not usurp the the role of the home and. Vice versa, the home does not usurp the role of the church. Yes, anyway, and often there we, all that we, is. Yeah, we we'll lose the structure yeah. of it, and the home becomes the primary mm-hmm. focus, and not and you know, anyways, and you have an parents, and you have parents wanting to baptize their children, and all kinds <laughs> <Yeah>. of things, <laughs> all kinds of things. Well, not everything that could be said was said. Oh, and um, I know that we will. This is not sufficient to answer everyone's question. We thought we would come at this and give you yeah. a, a perspective and tone to continue this conversation. Yeah. And continue, let's continue the dialogue and let's bear with one another as we seek better understanding. That's right. And I think there's probably more that will come. Um, My my wife and I will be speaking to this um, after these episodes come out on Outside Eden, if you want to listen to that there, uh, just from her perspective. And Justin and I are very sensitive to this. Um, We're trying to protect our hearts and protect our churches at the same time. So just please hear our hearts. Yeah. If you disagree with us, please. do so, sure. do so with meekness and gentleness. That would be our request. So, yeah, and, and for all those out there who who are hurting, uh, we grieve with you and mm-hmm. we lament with you. And um, I know John feels this way, and his elders, and I know our elders do. Uh, I do that. We desire above all things for our churches to be safe places for for the saints, and uh, where we are. Yeah, we receive Christ and Word and Sacrament, where there's love and charity and unity mm-hmm. that permeates the whole thing. So, Amen. Speaking of church, there's a couple other resources that are available to you if you have not utilized them yet on our website. We have a church finder that has over 50 churches on there now worldwide. There's um, We have one that's outside the United States now. If you'd like to submit your church to that or find a church in a local area that would love to preach to you the gospel, that's available to you as well. And uh, pray for Grace Reform Network, graceformnetwork.org. Yeah. Justin and I are working hard uh, as much as we can to get that up and running. Um, it's not an official network yet, but yet there are many who are excited. And if you have not learned about that, I would encourage you to do so so you can pray for Justin and I as we seek to uh, encourage like-minded believers in churches and plant more churches uh, so in, re- in relation to that, we'd point you to those. We typically do an additional podcast for those who support us called Simple Reformanda. And uh, we just understood that there was no way we were going to be able to do that additional podcast and cover this sufficiently. So, But if you'd like to engage in this conversation, we do have an app, and that app is a great way to go in and ask questions and interact with Justin and I 
And uh, that's a part of the Semper Reformata uh, program, along with some educational material that's coming your way. So, well, Justin, cool. uh, this is one of many topics that are a little bit spicy that we're going to cover here and there that is a little little bit off from what we normally do. I know we have something on theonomy coming down the pipe, so yeah. stay tuned for that. And uh, any last words before I close it out? I don't think so. I just, okay. yeah, I, I pray I pray for good things from this and, and I pray for continued conversations where we can sharpen one another and bear with one another as we all seek to understand these things better and yeah. acknowledge that we're influenced by any number of things and how we, we all are seeking to be faithful to Christ and faithful to the scriptures. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll hope you see you next week. Thank you.